Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, the only people I know who enjoy slogging through cattail marshes are pheasant hunters. We were pheasant hunters, but we discovered something a lot bigger than pheasants in those South Dakota cattail sloughs. Whitetail bucks. Hi everyone, Ron Spomer with another episode of RSO Podcasts. Today I'm going to read an article from an old, old magazine that says 1985 on it. It's the Baker Tree Stands Deer Hunting Annual. And I have an article in here called Cattail Whitetails. The Sitatunga is said to be one of the most difficult African antelopes to collect because it lives in dense reed marshes where hunters struggle through the mud, can't see more than a few yards ahead, and often get lost. The Sitatunga simply moves over, and he watches the intruders stumble by. Sounds like a white-tailed buck hunting to me. Most hunters either don't know or don't care to admit that North American whitetails take to the reed marshes as readily as a muskrat. Does, fawns, and bucks, especially big bucks, live in relative safety in great expanses of cattails, rushes, and cane over much of North America, simply because many hunters believe such habitat is too difficult to hunt. Actually, these reedy wetlands aren't impossible to hunt, and with the right tactics, anyone can take some impressive venison from them. First, you must understand a freshwater marsh. These are not the tangled swamps where trees and vines grow dense and black. No, rather they are the sunlit, airy expanses of grass waving in the wind. They flourish in natural lowlands on the prairies, and they are along frequently flooded rivers and at the tail ends of man-made reservoirs. And sometimes they're where settling silts are often flooded and dried. This inconsistent water table drowns most trees, but not members of the reed family. A typical cattail slough may cover hundreds of acres with a uniform blanket of head-high vegetation, 
The bottom may be dry and tangled with old reeds. It could be muddy and tangled with old reeds, or knee-deep water tangled with old reeds. The sheer monotony of vegetation makes it an inhospitable place for most creatures. A few birds, like rails and marsh wrens, live in it year-round, but most species use it only for nesting, like herons and blackbirds, or hiding, like pheasants and whitetails. Typically, whitetails move into marshes at dawn to bed for the day. At dusk, hunger pushes them out to forests and fields where they stretch, romp, and then stuff themselves before daylight nudges them back into the safety of the reeds. Here they are safe from nearly every predator. The dense cover makes them difficult to find in the water and the mud and tangled vegetation makes them difficult to stalk. In fall and winter, the dried rushes crackle and pop like an old radio searching for a station. And the deer know you're coming long before you get there. Cattail sloughs may be a nearly impenetrable defense, but nearly isn't good enough against a determined hunter. It's difficult to beat a marsh, but you can outflank it. Since it isn't much more than a bedroom to deer, they have to leave it sometime for the dining room, and that's one key to taking them. Scout the perimeter of the marshes in your hunting grounds and the chances are that you'll find several trails beat into the cattails. Obviously, these are where the resident deer move in and out of their sanctuary. Now all you have to do is wait nearby until they come out. If this is beginning to sound like catching fish in a barrel, wait until you try it. It's no more a guarantee than taking a stand over any woodland trail. The deer don't have to exit via the trail that you chose to watch. It might be the one they return over, or it might be their Sunday go-to-meeting trail. I once sat over a well-tracked marsh trail for a week without seeing game until I finally decided to follow the tracks to the feed fields. Turned out that they led to a grain stubble field that had been growing a nice crop of sweet green volunteer oats until the farmer plowed them under a week before I sat on that stand. Deer tracks last a long time in marsh mud, so never assume that any trail is fresh until you've confirmed other sign like a good feeding area nearby. Fresh droppings and an actual deer standing on the trail are good hints. Once you've selected the proper path, set up as close to the cattails as possible. This will increase your chances of seeing deer before they've slipped back into the reeds in the mornings or before the sun sets in the evenings. You can use a tree stand if there's a suitable tree close to the trail. Just be sure it isn't a lone tree that will skylight you. In the openness of most marshes, deer are used to seeing nothing but the blue sky overhead. A bulky object instantly looks out of place. I have had marsh deer step over, out of cover, look up at me, smiling weakly from my tree, and then they run. A ground blind may be more functional. Set it up slightly behind the cover where the deer will exit. In other words, go downwind of the exit, burrow a short distance into the rushes, and the deer will file out, quartering away from you, lessening their chances of detecting you. While you're waiting on stand, keep your ears open as wide as your eyes. You may see ears or antlers moving to the cover, but you'll most always you'll hear feet and legs splashing or crunching. Often the noise moves right to the edge of the cover and you don't see a hair. Then there's a long pause while the deer looks and listens 
for danger before stepping out. Over the years, I have found that when hunting pressure is heavy or the weather warm, marsh deer will stay in their protective coverts until nearly dark. That's when it's time to change tactics and go in after them. The idea of actually hunting inside a slough frightens some people. They're afraid of falling into a mud hole or being overcome by poisonous marsh gases, but that's really not a problem. Marsh gas, which is formed when organic matter rots underwater, smells offensive, but I've never found it to be life-threatening. As for deep holes, well, most marshes are flat, and deep water is rare. In over 20 years of sloshing through this habitat, I've never met a mud hole from which I couldn't extricate myself. I've gotten wet, cold and muddy, but never dead. It is entirely possible to get temporarily lost. I once spent a cold December hour driving around the reedy edges of Sand Lake in South Dakota, yelling into the blackness for my brother, who is out there somewhere, wearing nothing but hunting duds and a 270 bolt action. The temperature was two below zero. Well, he eventually walked out. Take your bearings before plunging into any cattail slough. Carry a compass, get on a deer trail, and follow it in. You can spend hours wandering these narrow hallways, which frequently branch and rebranch, and often you'll find quiet little nooks where the rushes have been pressed into comfortable beds. Occasionally you'll hear a thrashing and crashing as you spook a deer. Well, you're getting warm. Although it's possible to sneak alongside marsh deer, I found it much easier to get above them. In some marshes, you may find isolated trees or little parcels of higher ground. These are as good as gold, but also rare. You can also make your own high spot by using a stepladder. If you don't mind carrying a stepladder into the marsh, that is. Well, erect it overlooking a junction of trails or a collection of beds or any such hot spot and then get on it well before daylight and, very slowly and quietly, without moving, wait. If sitting atop the ladder gets too boring and you have hunting partners, you can liven things up with a deer drive. One or more of you should take stands overlooking the trails while the rest of the party goes around to the far end of the cover and still hunts back, nudging those deer toward you. Anyone who shoots must keep his eyes on the last spot he saw the deer until partners can be verbally guided to the location. It's incredibly easy to lose a downed deer in all those cattails. If you put one down when you're alone, align its location with a prominent feature such as a hill or a tree or an extra high cattail, and then spend several moments fixing the direction and the distance in your head. If you have a compass, take a bearing and then head straight for the target and search diligently until you find it. It's possible for just two hunters to drive a big marsh. One man takes a stand while his buddy walks toward him. This isn't too effective over more than, oh, 400 to 500 yards of dense cover because the deer will simply slip off to the sides of the single driver. So you've got to make a short drive and then trade places. The original driver should move to a new stand position and climb a tree or a stepladder. Then the former standard drives toward him. Continue this pattern until you've covered the marsh. We have had deer bust out within 20 yards of the driver and run right under the stander. If you prefer to stand hunt on the ground, cut a niche and a shooting lane for yourself down in those cattails. This is particularly effective for bow hunters who find a hot travel lane 
or a bedding area deep within a marsh. The trick is to determine the prevailing winds and cut a path downwind and at an angle to the trail in the right direction you expect the animal to come. This, like the nook stuck in the region near the trail exit mentioned earlier, makes the unsuspecting deer walk quartering away past your shooting lane so you can draw and shoot unseen. When in this type of stand, stay very quiet and listen carefully for the sounds of approaching footsteps. The reeds or grass in some marshes grow no higher than a man's ears. Although it's still a pain to walk through these marshes, you can see the deer as they jump and run. Here you can hunt them like pheasants, just walking until you stumble onto one. The shooting is tricky as deer bounce up and down in and out of that cover. They'll usually stop and look around as if unsure what spooked them out in the middle of Hades Half Acre where they've never been bothered before. This has happened to me several years ago. After following trails for two hours, I finally jumped a thick antlered four-point buck, which I hastily missed. As if to forgive me my error, that buck stopped and glanced around. Unfortunately, I threw the second shot over its back. Sometimes, rarely but sometimes, you will luck into little islands of cattails surrounded by open water or ice. Ice is preferred. You walk on it, upwind, to the cover, then rush inside like a stampeding steer and stop and listen. If you hear what sounds like cattle taking off, Rush clear of that vegetation onto the appropriate side and see if you have a clear shot. This doesn't work when the water's open because it's difficult to approach silently, and even if you do get a shot, in many states it's illegal to shoot a swimming deer. But on the ice, you've got them. When the ice firms up in a marsh, cattails that normally are about 8 feet high may be at about shoulder height. That's the time to use that pheasant hunting drive technique. A farmer I knew in South Dakota used to take advantage of this every November. He would be walking to within a few feet of the confident bucks that had been using that marsh cover all year for safety. If you work the ice, regardless of how cold it is, be prepared to break through. Underwater springs, reed-covered areas, and muskrat diggings can soften things considerably. Usually you can easily pull yourself out with the surrounding rushes. You might want to wear hip boots if this is a recurring problem. I once started a day's hut by breaking ice into waist-deep water. I got out, but I sat under the car's heater for the better part of that morning. Since then, I take an extra change of clothes along. If the marsh is big, I carry them in a day pack along with my lunch. That allows me to spend the day poking into those recesses where white beam bucks easily outnumber hunters. No, cattails, bulrushes, and similar marsh grasses are not easy habitats to hunt, but for the tough and determined, they can be productive. Whether you decide to hunt their depths or their edges, you'll soon learn to love the wild, lonely atmosphere. And when you meet up with one of those big bucks that has eluded other hunters for years, you'll discover North America's answer to the African Sitatunga, the cattail whitetail. Well, that was uh, taking me back, way back to the early 80s. We hunted uh, whitetail in South Dakota, cattail sloughs like that. Oh, man, probably started in the early 70s and through pretty much all of that decade, we would hit those cattail sloughs. And there were a lot of them in South Dakota. And, you know, they're still there and they're open to hunting. This is the wonderful thing about cattail sloughs. They just do not lend themselves to any sort of agricultural production. 
So they stand there with plenty of cover for whitetails and pheasants, and nobody ever changes that. Occasionally one will burn, but year after year, you've got cattail sloughs, and a lot of them are open for public hunting. In the Dakotas, a bunch have been put into what's called the um, waterfowl production areas. It's a federal program administered through the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that preserves these wetlands and surrounding upland habitat for nesting cover for waterfowl. And they have done a remarkably effective job of that. But of course, they also support pheasants and whitetails and even sharp-tailed grouse from time to time. So if you've never hunted cattail and bulrush sloughs, whether it's for upland birds or white-tailed deer, I heartily recommend them. And you can get on for nothing there in South Dakota, North Dakota on those WPAs. You just walk right in because they're open to public hunting. And it's a grand place to do it. Hey, this is Ron Spomer. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time on Honest and Shoot Straight. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight, Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.